Well, we're jumping into 2 Thessalonians. We're picking up right where we left off uh, last week and, well, two weeks really because of tailgate. We did not meet last Sunday night. But we're jumping back into 2 Thessalonians. Uh, boy, what a great day we had this morning. Pastor Justin was uh, speaking just a second ago about that. I was thinking this morning, uh, it seems like the more stressful the day gets, the better of a day it is when you get to the end of it. Uh, I, I remember this morning I was walking through and I was, uh, we'd gotten here a little bit late. Our bus route was running late. We had a few extra on the bus this morning and so we were coming in just a few minutes behind time. Um, and as we pulled in, I'm, I'm getting people situated. I took my daughter up here to the nursery um, and right as I got here, Brother Marshall walked in. Brother Marshall here? He must be out in the foyer. But uh, he walked in and he said, hey, these, this, this couple doesn't know where they're going to go. Okay, so we went and found them a Sunday school class, and I'm walking them to their Sunday school class. We took them over to Brother Hoxie's class, and uh, when we got there, I wa- walked them in the door, and I looked, at my, I looked at my watch, and it was already 16 after 10, and I should have been teaching. I should have been teaching already, so uh, I ran upstairs, and we got started, but it was a fun day, exciting time, uh, and so that was wonderful, and it's exciting that we get to invest in the people in our community Uh, And I'm so thankful for all of you and for the part that you take in that. If you wouldn't mind standing with me, we're going to read just two verses tonight, and then we'll be seated. Uh, But I do want to get started here reading the Word of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14 together, and then we'll be seated. Uh, Then we'll pray and be seated, rather. Uh, But starting in verse 13, it says, But we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's pray. Lord, we love you so so much, and we're so thankful for all you've done for us. And Lord, what a great day today, Pumpkin Sunday, where we get to come and we we get to attract a, a crowd of people who wouldn't normally be at church. Um, but, Lord, we get to bring them on property, Lord, and, and give them the gospel. And, Lord, many hands this morning. I think, uh, I think I heard eight hands that raised their hands just here in the adult service that got saved. And I'm sure many others across our campus and throughout bus routes and children's church. And, Lord, we're so thankful for all you've done. And so, Father, we come to you tonight uh, a little tired uh, and, and well, well-meaning so. But, Lord, we, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, we come to church to hear from you. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our midst. We pray that you would, uh, God, speak to us out of Second Thessalonians. And uh, Lord, that you'd use the words of Paul here in our hearts to tell us exactly what we need this week. And we'll give you the honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Of course, uh, just to quickly recap Second Thessalonians chapter 2, of course, there were false teachers at this time in Thessalonica. And so Paul has written to the Thessalonians and encouraged them to, first of all, beware of the people that they listen to. Um, and he's encouraging them to uh, stay away from them. Of course, I think it was Pastor Mutchler uh, mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, they were saying a specific time that Christ was supposed to come back. And of course, we know uh, the, the Bible says that no man knoweth the hour. Um, and so if somebody were to tell you that Christ is coming back at a specific time, uh, you can be confident they do not know what they're talking about. Uh, but at this time, there were people in Thessalonica who were trying to make such assertions. Uh, and they were pushing themselves and pushing the people around them to believe a lie. Uh, and Paul here has divided uh, the truth from a lie and helped them understand that. But as we, as we jump into to 2 Thessalonians here, verse 13, 
And we're going to go through verse 5 in chapter 3. And here in these section, uh, this couple-verse section that we're going to look at tonight, I see three different uh, thoughts. And we're going to pull those out one by one and try to look at them here. But in our first two verses tonight, I see great thanks. Great thanks. Verses 13 and 14. Uh, and if we look here at verse 13, it says, We are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Now, that word bound there means owed. Paul feels that he owes the Thessalonians uh, some gratitude for what God has done in them and through them. And, uh, you know, truth is we, we ought to give thanks for the Christians that are around us. When was the last time that you praised the Lord just for the people that you get to serve with and the, the people that you get to go to church with and the, the wonderful people that, that sing in our choir and, and serve the Lord and uh, work all throughout our ministry to do the things uh, that, that are necessary for us to reach our community for Christ? And, and we ought to live that, that attitude of thankfulness. Uh, you know, God prepares us for such a time as this. Um, and he has worked in our midst, and, and certainly we believe in our own lives that God prepares us specifically, and he puts us through certain trials and uh, temptations and certain things in order to prepare us for what's to come for our lives. But have, have you considered that God also plans specific people in your life to help guide you down the path that you're supposed to go? Uh, and so praise the Lord for our church family and for people who sit here in these pews, people sitting right where you're at, you. Uh, and I'm thankful for you, and I, I believe the people around you are thankful for you as well, and I hope you're thankful for the people around you, uh, for all that God has done to bring us together, this great group of people, to serve him together. And so we're thankful for all of us together, um, and it starts with this, this attitude of thanks. Uh, by the way, you were placed in this church for the sake of everyone here. Have you thought about that? God has placed you in this church for the sake of everyone here. Now, you say, Brother Cameron, I, I, I would rather not talk. I would rather not get involved. I'd rather just sit in a pew and listen to the sermon and leave as soon as possible. The truth is, as a part of the body of Christ, Christian, you have a job in the local assembly. And if you come to church here, you ought to be getting plugged in. You ought to find a way to jump in and be involved. Find a way for God to use you in the hearts and lives of the people around you. By the way, you can do that by developing relationships. You know, there are people around and, and sitting in our pews, and I could point out specific people, and I won't tonight, but that are just encouraging. Man, some of you have the gift of encouragement. Can I encourage you to be encouraging to the people around you? Uh, to speak out and to, to be verbal about things that you've seen God do and to, to encourage people in a great way. Uh, and God wants to use you in our church. I truly believe that. God wants to use you in our church. If you're here, you're sitting under the sound of my voice tonight, God wants to use you here. Uh, and so get plugged in. Get involved. Um, and, and we're going to be praising the Lord for you here in just a short amount of time. But uh, jump into the church that God has you in. Um, and, and don't do the body of Christ a disservice by refusing to take part in the place that he has put for you. Now, uh, God hath chosen you, the Bible says here, uh, that God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Now, this is uh, confusing for some people. This, this starts to get in on the topics of predestination, on election, on foreknowledge, and, and really... If you're not careful, we get really embroiled in these college-level topics of uh, who chose who, and uh, did God choose you, or did you choose him, and this Calvinist thought, and all of these crazy doctrines. I'm not going to get into all that tonight, don't worry. But I am going to try to make it as plain as possible. Are we okay with that? 
Okay, so that's our goal. We're going to make it as, cl- as clear as possible. I don't want to confuse anybody. Uh, who chooses who? Uh, is it free will? Do you not have free will? Who came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, we're going to talk about all that tonight. But uh, John chapter 6 here. That was a joke, but I don't think anybody caught it. John chapter 6, verse 37. Uh, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again to the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now this is, this is where the truth comes in. Who chooses who? Do you choose God or does God choose you? And this is it. There's a divine sovereignty, right? We understand God is sovereign. God knows all, is all, does all. and he, all, Everything that is, is God, right? God is sovereign. He, he's already made all of those decisions for us. But we also have human responsibility. There's also free will involved. And so there is a divine sovereignty, and it meets the human responsibility. Uh, and so together... We choose God, and because God knows that we will choose him, he chose us. Now, that's crazy. I know. I like to tell our young adults, if I'm not careful, my wife's looking at me. If I'm not careful, I like to get, uh, anybody ever go down rabbit trails when you're talking? I love rabbit trails. They're my favorite. They're my favorite thing. I'm really trying hard not to go down a rabbit trail tonight. But I love this concept. God is outside of time, Okay. Um, and my, my wife's already shaking her head at me. Okay. Abort, abort. Don't do that. Don't, don't go down that trail. Okay, I'm going to go down it anyway. Amen. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and the truth is God is outside of time. Okay, and, and I don't understand God. I'm not saying that I've got some full understanding of him. Not at all, not at all. But I used to think, you know, you, you've heard that phrase your whole life that, um, that Jesus is with you, right? Jesus is watching you. I used to envision, and maybe some of you are in the same boat as I am, I used to envision that there was literally a Jesus that walked around with me everywhere I went. Anybody else that at least thought that at some point in the past? Am I by myself? Okay, there's a few hands. Uh, I was worried about that for a second. I used to think that literally there was a Jesus I couldn't see, but that was, that was with me, you know, just following around with me, you know. Now, obviously, I understand the Holy Spirit, but I still envisioned, like, Jesus, right? I don't know why. It's just how I was. But then I came to understand this concept of God is outside of time. And so I realize now that God is everywhere in all things because God sees things from an outside perspective that we do not understand. We have to picture or we have to uh, take a day at a time, right? And if God looks at every day, he's able to flip through every single moment that, that passes. For you and I, we look at a day. There's a second. There's a second. There's a second. There's a second. And we can't go back, right? We can't experience that. You're like, you just wasted four seconds. Yes, I did. Anyway. Uh, There's a second. There's a second. Okay. Uh, And so God, able to go through any of it at any time. There's there's nothing that hinders God. There's nothing that keeps God from being able to re-experience the same moment over and over and over for eternity. And by the way, he does because he is God. God is always in every moment, every day, at all times, in every place. That's how great God is. 
It's incredible. It's beyond our comprehension, but that's what God is. And so understanding these things, God is not surprised that you chose him. Now, praise the Lord, you did. You accepted Christ as your Savior. You said, I need salvation. I need to go to heaven. I know I can't get there on my own. And you said, Lord, I accept your payment on the cross for my sins. God knew that you would do that. Now, by the way, he knew dying on the cross that there would, people, there would be people who would reject him. And people do reject him. And sadly, still reject him today. Um, and so there, there is this understanding that God is not surprised by who accepts him and who does not. However, he has still offered it freely to all mankind. The problem is, and the problem that we struggle with, the, the sovereignty issue, God already knows what we're going to choose. But that doesn't mean he made the decision for us. Does that make sense to everybody? God is sovereign, but we still have free will. He knows what's going to happen, but we can still choose. Uh, and that's an important distinction to make. But that's the, where divine sovereignty meets human responsibility. This is not God predetermining through the ages who can and can't be saved. Second Peter 3.9. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, uh, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, now, I'll say this. God never acts contrary to his nature. His desire is that every man come to repentance. Amen. Every man, every woman, every child. God's will, his desire, is that every person who's ever lived comes to be in heaven with him. But God's sovereignty also understands that there will be some who reject him. Um, and so understand that distinction. Uh, now, <clears throat> the, this, this salvation then comes about by two criteria. And if you'll join me back in 2 Thessalonians, I've flipped a few pages away, but 2 Thessalonians, you'll see, uh, the Bible says that salvation cometh through two things, verses 13... Salvation comes through, first of all, sanctification of the Spirit. Now, that's your cleansing. Okay, That's what happens when Christ died on the cross. He paid for your sin debt, past, present, and future. By the way, because God is able to see all things at all times, God was able to do that. Do we understand that? I could not pay for your future sins. I could not pay for your future debt because I do not know what your future debt would hold. Right? Now, you know, you... Uh, just a, a quick little illustration for you. If you had $100 of debt, you know, that'd be steep for me. But uh, if you had $100 of debt, I could probably take care of that for you, right? You know, and I, I could make it happen. I could pay that debt off for you. If I knew that you had $100 of debt, I'd be able to come up with it for you. But I could not promise to pay for all your debt. We understand? I could not pay for your future debt because I do not know what it is. You could ring up a million dollars worth of debt. I'd never be able to pay that off. That's beyond my ability. But God knew, before he sent his son to die on a cross, exactly what the payment was necessary and was able to do it one time, one place, for all mankind, for all of eternity. Because that's how great God is. Uh, and so it's important for us to understand that. Now, uh, first thing is through sanctification of the Spirit. That's our cleansing. That's the part that's up to God. Remember I told you there's a divine sovereignty. God, in his sovereignty, knew uh, what portion of cleansing was required to happen, what sacrifice needed to occur, sent his son. That's the cleansing, sanctification. Uh, look here, though, verse 13, through sanctification of the Spirit and, what's that last part? What's the word? Belief. Belief of the truth. That's our, that's our job. Sanctification, right? And belief. God takes care of the sanctification part, and we take care of the belief. You believe, 
and God gives the sanctification. This is where free will and sovereignty to come together. And this, this, this is the whole doctrine of predestination, all wrapped up into just a couple of short verses. And we could spend a lot more time here. But understand, God gives the ability to be saved. We choose him, and God already knew that we would choose. And that's it. That's predestination. Okay, moving on. Let's look at verse 14. I want to keep going. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory, or to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we are all saved and called by the same gospel. That's the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, and our salvation is the glory of Christ because only a merciful God could offer eternal redemption to a world full of people who don't deserve it. And that's what makes it something glorious to God. Now, Paul is given thanks for all of these things. Um, and as we move from the gratitude section, we're going to look at number two, the grand testimony. Look at verse 15 with me. The grand testimony here, he's talking about the Thessalonians. Some things that he's heard, some things that he's seen. Let's look here, verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. Now that word, or that phrase there, stand fast, means to persevere. means to stay diligent. Um, <clears throat> we are not saved to, be, to, to relax and to be careless. We are not saved from our sin to live out the rest of our life in the day-to-day. Do we understand that? God doesn't save us from our sins so that we can just relax and you know, work our 9-to-5 job and not really give any care to, to what God has given us in our life. No, no, no. God has called us to something. That's why I talked a moment ago about your position in the church and how God has called you to be a part of the body of Christ. God has something specific for you to do, uh, and so he's intentional in calling you to do that. Uh, and sometimes, we, if we're not careful, we struggle with this steadfastness, this perseverance, and we uh, get lazy, and we get uh, methodical, and we become comfortable, uh, and we just uh, soak and sour, and instead of being resolute and diligent in what God has called us to be, ever working for the cause of Christ. And so we are called to do that. Now, the Bible says here, to hold the traditions which we have been taught. Now, that Bible word traditions there actually means precepts. And we know precepts there is, is, is like the word doctrine in the Bible. Uh, and so there, there's uh, an important thought here that I really want to pull out. Second uh, Thessalonians was written before the Bible was complete. Do we understand that? Because it's part of the Bible. It had to be written before it could be finished. You got that? Okay, great. Just making sure you're awake. Okay. So since it was written before it was complete, it was written during the apostolic period of the, the church. Okay? There were apostles who would speak verbally the word that needed to be preached in a church. And it was different than what I do, what I'm doing right now. What I preach is I'm taking the Bible and I'm making sense of it. That's the Bible context of what preaching is. Uh, for the apostles, they would literally be speaking the words of God. Because there was no Bible for them to read from. We, we on the same page? And so, in 2 Thessalonians, he's dealing with people who are, have experienced this type of preaching. And he's helping them understand that even though there's no apostle with them at this time, they are still responsible to follow the precepts and the doctrine that has been preached to them because they do not have a Bible with which to follow. 
Does that make sense to everybody? Remember, Thessalonians, they've been struggling with people who've come in, false teachers, who say things are a certain way that are not true. And so Paul is encouraging them to remember what they're supposed to be a part of, the truth that they're supposed to follow, the doctrine that they're supposed to adhere to, uh, and this truth comes out in our verse, uh, verse 16. Now, or I'm sorry, verse, where am I at? Verse 15, okay? Uh, Stand fast, hold the traditions which have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And so he's encouraging them to follow what's written in the Bible. Now, I I would like to note that we are not bound in our church. We are not bound by oral traditions, uh, uh, oral or written, outside of the canon of Scripture. Do we understand that? Now, if you go to 100 different churches, you're going to experience 100 different things, right? Uh, Every church is not going to be exactly the same, and God has uh, planned for it to be that way, and that's why we have autonomy of the local church, and the local pastor makes those decisions for that church, and so we understand every church you go to is going to be at least a little bit different. Um, But we are not bound to doing things exactly the way that we've always done them. Now, I'm not saying we're planning on changing anything. Praise the Lord. I'm pretty happy with everything that we've been doing. Uh, But we are not bound by anything except God's Word. Does that make sense to everybody? We are bound by God's Word. And so what we do, the songs that we sing, the places that we go, the outreach that we do, the community, uh, things that we are a part of, all of these things should be uh, looked at through or strained through the perspective of the Gospel and of the Bible. Does that make sense to everybody? We have a responsibility as a local church not to do things by tradition. Okay, That's that word there and that gets people kind of confused sometimes. But rather by the doctrine that's found in God's Word. That's our responsibility, to follow God's word. Now, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, Verses 16 and 17 here. Uh, The Bible says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. So God gives us love. He gives us everlasting consolation. We get that through the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then we have good hope through grace, which is that hope of heaven. Praise the Lord. We have a hope of heaven someday, that uh, someday we will go to heaven and be with him in eternity. And praise the Lord. The older I get, the more people I know there. Uh, and I'm sure that's the, the, the thought and mentality of many of us in the room. Uh, it seems like the older we get, the more friends we have on the other side. And so I am excited about eternity, and I praise the Lord for the hope of heaven. Uh, verse 17, comfort your hearts and establish you. Uh, establish there means to establish, also strengthen, maybe stabilize. Um, and he asks that God, uh, it's his prayer for them, that he, God would comfort and establish them in every good work uh, and word. And this uh, thought, this comfort and strong faith, this stabilization, comfort and establishment go hand in hand. Think about that. Comfort and establishment go hand in hand. Why is that? They're both brought about by good word and good works. Now, what is good word? The preaching of God's word. Do we understand that? The preaching of God's word and good works serving in your local church. And so if you want to be comfortable, not comfortable in a lazy sort of way, but comfortable in your position in Christ, comfortable in the peace that God has brought into your life, if you want to be established in the faith and have that strong faith of maybe somebody else that you look up to in your life, if you want to have those two things uh, and be an embodiment of those two things in your life, may I suggest to check, first of all, how much good word you're surrounding yourself by. 
And secondly, check the good works that you are putting into your life. Bible, uh, James, you can read through James and uh, talks about the, the combination of faith and works, and we see how those things go together there. Second uh, Thessalonians 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And so God is faithful to strengthen us uh, and keep us from evil, which brings in that holy comfort that we receive. Um, and this, uh, this idea, this concept of lacking God's word in our life, lacking the ability to serve him, will honestly take away from that comfort and steadfast thought that we have. Now, maybe you remember just uh, two years ago now, uh, we got to experience COVID. Whew, aren't we glad that's over? Praise the Lord. Uh, we experienced COVID. And many of you remember what it was like to not go to church for a couple of months at a time. Do you remember that? Do you remember how it felt to not be a part of a body of Christ? How it felt to not have the fellowship of other Christians? How it felt to have to watch a preaching service from the, the privacy of your own car? Anybody remember that? Those were the... Can I say the battle days? Is that the battle days? I don't... I don't I don't remember good things about that. But the truth is, we understand how important, and many of us experience firsthand, how important the, the fellowship of the local church and all of the, the uh, preaching and everything that we're doing help us as Christians uh, to have that stabilization, to have that comfort that God gives us. And we got to experience firsthand what it was like to not have those things. Uh, now, you want to grow? You want to you get deeper into God's word, you need to get around good preaching. You need to dig in and, and start serving. And, and praise the Lord, uh, that's something that I've tried to do. I've always liked good preaching. Uh, in fact, there was, a, <clears throat> there was a time in college where um, I had gotten a little older in my years, and I was uh, serving in my master's degree program at the time, and I had gone back for my MRS degree. Some of you will get that later. Uh, and I was serving, right? And I, I was, uh, at the time, I was managing a cleaning company, and so I was uh, working with a, a bunch of young people. I tended to hire college kids. And, um, and what, I, what I came to discover is that many of them felt like they needed something in their lives, just a little beyond what they were already getting, especially in this area of preaching. And so um, I had been in college for several years, and I had, some, for some crazy reason, for reasons I still don't even fully understand about myself, but just the way God works, uh, I had kept track of many of the good sermons that I had heard over the time that I was in college, just randomly kept track of them. You know, uh, and so uh, I was talking to some of these young people, and they were like, "Man, I, I love good preaching, and I just wish I had some more to listen to while I'm cleaning and other things." And so I actually went, "Oh, well, let me recommend some sermons to you." And I, I'd send one over, and they, "Oh, that was an awesome sermon. Do you have any others?" And so it turned into me sending all of these sermons out. Well, that got really boring really quick because sending all of these sermons individually to all these different people just became too overwhelming. And so what I did is I created a Dropbox folder. And so I would fill this Dropbox folder full of sermons, and i just share it to everybody. And that worked for a while, but then everybody was really like, Dropbox didn't work very well on their phone, and so they're having all these problems. And so what ended up happening is I actually created a podcast uh, where I post good sermons, and I still actually keep that up to today. And so uh, I, I see how God takes something in your life 
uh, and specifically uh, good preaching in this particular part, and has used it to bring something about that you would never have anticipated. I, I would not have expected uh, to start, uh, if you're familiar with uh, uh, the podcast, Turning Point Sermons. I'm not trying to plug Turning Point Sermons, but um, it, it's a place where I post content for young adults. It's amazing. Uh, you know, in college, I, I discovered myself with a heart for young adults and the desire to help them grow and to learn. Uh, and then I, I get plugged in here at Grandview, and it's like God just kind of kind of connects it all together. It's amazing how God does something beyond our ability to comprehend it at the time. And if you'd asked me a few years back, if uh, Cameron, do you think you'll be the young adult pastor? What even is that? I'd, I'd never had one. Uh, in fact, I never had a youth pastor. Uh, well, that's not true. I had one for a week, and then the FBI came and picked him up. So uh, <laughs> that is a true story. That is a true story. Uh, and so if you wonder why I am so weird, now you know why. Uh, I can't tell that story and not explain why the FBI came and picked him up, can I? You guys want to know? Uh, they came and picked him up because he had uh, recently gone through a divorce and he took his child over state lines. Uh, so it's not nearly the scary situation that you may have initially thought, but uh, still, still one that gives pause. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I did not grow up with a young adult pastor. I did not grow up with a youth pastor, and so I did not get to experience these great things. And yet, somehow, God incredibly works uh, to, to align passions uh, with position, and it's amazing what God has done in my life, and my, and I believe truly in the lives of many of the people sitting right in this room. And God will use you in a great way if you will position yourself uh, for use of the passions that God has given you, and He allows you to do that through the local church. Now, um, let's look at verses four and five here, chapter three, uh, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do. And will do the things which we command you. Um, what a great testimony of the Thessalonians. We know. We're confident. Paul says, I, I, I'm looking at you and I know you're going to do what we've told you to do. You're the Thessalonians. You just do things. You just do what you're told to do. And I love that about the Thessalonians and the testimony that it is to us. By the way, God gives peace in situations like this about people that you're interacting with. And he shows you and, uh, and, and can kind of confirm in your heart sometimes these situations where you, you come across someone you're like, wow, that person's saved, man. That, we, we just get along. And it's amazing what God will do uh, when he works behind the scenes to bring great things to pass. I remember coming through college and uh, I had a, a roommate, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine that grew up at our church. And, um, and I had heard a lot about Grandview Baptist Church. And then later in, in my uh, bachelor's degree, we... Uh, I had taken an online class that Pastor Mutchler had taught about starting a New, New Testament church. And um, so I had heard a little bit about uh, Pastor Mike Mutchler, and I'd heard a little bit about Grandview Baptist Church. And it was amazing how God had worked behind the scenes. And then uh, when, when it came time to me getting a, a job at a church somewhere, and it's, I could spend a lot of time on my testimony of how God brought me from A to B, but um, it's amazing what God did uh, to bring me across the path of Pastor Mutchler and, and uh, just the way that those things worked out. I, I talked to him on the phone. Uh, we came out here just to visit a short time later, uh, and it was amazing. I, I sat across from him. My, my wife and I went out to eat with he and Miss Vicki, um, and we went out to Biscuits, Biscuits here in Oregon City. Um, and it was amazing. I, I felt like this could work. You know what I mean? How you, you can sit across from someone and just feel like, man, God, God's in this. God is doing something, um, and praise the Lord, Pastor Mutchler put up with me, and he's uh, given, given me a chance here, and now uh, Pastor Justin's put up with me for a couple of weeks, and so uh, 
hoping that continues. But uh, uh, as we move forward here, I'm just thankful for how God can work in a situation and bring about peace and confirmation in the hearts of the people who are striving to follow him. Look at verse 5. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now, this has to be done by God. You can be positioned into and out of his love and patient waiting. You ever thought about that? You can be positioned into and out of Christ's love and his patience for waiting. As, as we uh, wait patiently for Christ to come back. Do you know that your ability to wait patiently heavily relies on God's positioning? And it's amazing how in this verse, uh, God's going to direct the Thessalonians, and that's what Paul's praying for them, that as they do the work of God, that God will use their work to position them into the place that he has for them. Um, and this comes from doing what is commanded. Uh, you know, you, you follow what is right, and God will direct your steps. That's the Bible command. Uh, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Um, that's not the verse that I was looking for. That was a great verse, but that was not the one that I meant to, to preach. Um, well, let me, let me do a different one. I'll do a different one. It's fine. i got more than one. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That was the one I was going for. Let me do a different one, though. Uh, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is my, one of my all-time favorite verses. If you're a young adult in the room, I'm sorry. You've heard this like 50 times. Uh, they get this one all the time, because I love this verse. And it's so pivotal for uh, young adults. But I'll, I'll just lightly touch on it here for you. Um, the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. God, God Christ t- preaching on the, the Sermon on the Mount. And he is preaching about the Beatitudes, and he says, blessed are the pure in heart. He's telling them how to be blessed. Great. Fantastic. Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay. What does pure in heart mean? Sinless perfection? No. No, no. Not sinless perfection. It's, he's, God is never going to promise to bless us for something we can't attain to. We on the same page? Amen. So, blessed are the pure in heart, having clean motives, living up righteously, okay, trying our best to follow the precepts and the doctrines of the Bible. Are we on the same page? Yeah. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Okay, great. We know if we follow the Bible and if we, we do what God tells us to do, we're going to be blessed. Fantastic. It doesn't stop there, though. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What is seeing God? No. No, 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 no. Angelic presence. No, no, no. Dreams? No, no, no. Seeing God means, just like that verse, that as we follow the steps that God has outlined for us, God will start to reveal the next steps. God starts to put pieces in motion. and We follow the step today. We know what we're supposed to do today. How do we know? Because it's what's right. When we do what's right today... God begins to reveal to us our plan for the future. And this is the distinction. Uh, God's, God's will and God's plan, often those two terms get used interchangeably. They're not. They're not, at least not in my opinion. Uh, God's will is the same for every person in this room. Okay? God's will is the same for every person. It's what's found in the Bible. Uh, and there are a lot of things we could go through. God's will is that all men come to a, a saving knowledge of him. Okay? There, there are a lot of things that are God's will. If you want to know what God's will is, Read the Bible, okay? Uh, that's God's will. For you, God's will. Same for every person. Where we get messed up, though, is where God's plan is different 
for every person. Okay, my, God's plan for my life is not the same as what God has planned for your life. Okay, God has not called you necessarily to be the young adult pastor of Grandview Baptist Church. Now, maybe someday, I'm good with that. God might call me to something else. But your plan, we can agree, is not the same as God's plan for me. And so, so often, especially in the lives of young adults, and I'm sure we're, this room is so much more mature than the young adults. You don't struggle with this. But so often, Christians, they get distracted by wanting to know where the path goes. That they don't follow the steps that they know they should take today. They say, God, show me your will. Tell me where you want me to go. If you would just put a billboard on the side of the road that said my name and what you want me to do, I would do it. But those same people don't follow God's word today. You see, you're not ready for the billboard. We're not, I'm not ready for the billboard. I don't know what God has planned for me. I know his plan for me today. I know God's will for me today. I'm not ready for the billboard yet. God knows that about us. We would run screaming scared. We're not ready. But if you will follow what God has for you today, step by step, he will lead you to where he wants you to be. You follow God's will Today, same for everybody, you'll find his plan in your future. But it starts today. And so we see how God will work in these situations. Now, we've talked about uh, God's great, we see the great thanks that Paul has written about here. We see the grand testimony that Paul has written about here. And lastly, we see a grave truth. A grave truth. Are you ready? Look at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 with me. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Now, what a great prayer. Uh, this should be my first response when somebody asks me, uh, Cameron, what, what, what do you need me to pray for? Well, pray for me that the, the word of the Lord be not hindered and all these things. That should be my first response. Unfortunately, it's not always. But it shows Paul's perspective here. He's not concerned about his physical needs. He's not concerned about uh, the, the things that are going on around him as much as he's concerned about the spiritual. And Paul knows firsthand that God will supply uh, according to his riches and glory in, in Christ Jesus. And so Paul knows God's going to take care of his physical needs. The only prayer request that he asks for is this in verse 1. And I, I love this. This is the grave truth. Are you ready for the grave truth, the serious, the sad truth? Here's the sad truth. The main inhibitor to God's word. You listening? The main inhibitor to God's word is not the unsaved it's Christians. That's the truth. That's the sad truth. The main inhibitor to God's word, to the gospel reaching every voice, to, 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 to the God's word being spread all across the globe, the main inhibitor is not the unsaved. It's other Christians. Now you say, Brother Cameron, verse 2, look at it. That he may deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Yes, yes. Paul does pray that he would not be hindered by other people. But did you look at the words in verse 1? Go back there with me. 
the Bible says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. Note that it did not say, pray that the word of the Lord may have free course. Did you notice that? It doesn't say, pray that the word of the Lord may have free course. It says, pray for us. Did you see it? Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. See, Paul, the apostle, the guy who wrote half of the New Testament, that guy knew that the greatest inhibitor to the gospel reaching the next city, to being spread all around the globe, was not other people. It was him. The greatest thing that will hold back God's word from being spread in Oregon City, Clackamas County, down to Malala, past to Silverton, up through Portland, reaching to Vancouver, all the way west, all the way down to Bend, and all the areas in between. The thing that's going to stop God's word from reaching those areas, from this epicenter, which is Grandview Baptist Church, is sitting in this room. It's us. We are the inhibitor to, to God's word. And the sad truth is, many Christians will never come to that understanding. I'll be transparent with you. Yesterday, my wife and I, and our, uh, we have two foreign exchange students that live with us, Korean students, and they go to school here, and uh, it's been a great blessing. We've had a lot of fun. Yesterday, we were out visiting our bus route, and uh, we were going through and doing all the visits, and uh, we got done, and Cindy and I, Cindy kind of leaned over to me in the car. We've got the... We've got Carter and Candace right behind us because it's easier to get them in and out. And then the girls sit all the way in the back. So if we talk quietly, they can't hear us. It's great. It's a, it's a good system. Uh, Cindy leans over and she goes, Hey, uh, do you want to stop by Dutch Bros? We, we, we should get them something. It's been a while. You know, let, let's treat them. And I went, All right, well, I don't want anything. But yeah, we can go. I was still drinking my black coffee. Anybody black coffee? Just black coffee. Okay. Amen. Drinking my black coffee. Anyway, uh, so we, we drive through the Dutch Bros parking lot, and it was amazing. It was one of the, it's the one in Tualatin, if you're ever over there. Uh, there's one that comes in this side, and there's a drive-thru that comes in this side. And we pulled up, and it was like this side had like eight cars in it. They were backed out on the road, and this side had one car in it. So I wonder which one the Lord is telling us to go into, right? Okay. So we pulled right in. Well, we get up to the window, and I'll be honest with you, this little <clears throat> thing you keep hearing, uh, I was dealing with it worse yesterday, and I was not feeling well yesterday, but, uh, you know, praise the Lord, just sticking with it and going forward. But uh, we get to the, the drive through and to be honest, I am just socialed out, I'm done, I'm tired, I desperately need medicine or something, I mean, it was bad. Uh, and we pull up to the window, and, and the, the, the young lady is talking to us, and she's like, hey, what can I get you to drink? You know how they are at Dutch Brothers. Uh, hello, you know, and I'm not the social bug, uh, and so my wife's talking to her, and they're kind of talking over me, and um, we pull up to the window, and that was the lady taking her order, we pull up to the window, and the girl at the window asked the exact same question they ask at every Dutch Brothers that you've ever been to. You guys know it? What are you up to today? What are you up to today? Now, I'm going to be honest, Pastor Justin, I'm just going to be honest with you. My response was about to sound like this. Oh, we're just out visiting some friends. Now, by the way, that's true. 100% true. 
would not have been a lie. My wife, however, spoke over me, and she said, we're out doing visits for our church bus route. We pick up families to go to church with us on Sundays. And I I promise you, spiritually, I was not in the right place yesterday. I was concerned about me. I was focused on my own needs, my own, you know, mental fog, whatever it is. And this young lady, she says, wow, that's awesome. I used to ride a church bus. What, what, what church is it? And we said, oh, we're, we're over in Oregon City and, and Grandview Baptist Church. She's like, I used to ride a bus to that church. And I, I still live in Oregon City. She's driving to Tualatin every day for work. And so uh, it's amazing how God will put you in the right place. He'll guide you to the right drive through window. <laughs> He'll make sure somebody's in the car that wants to talk. <laughs> but uh, God will do a great work in your life if you'll take the steps that you're supposed to. The biggest thing that's going to hold back the gospel of Christ, it's not other people, it's not the unsaved, it's us. It's us. And I hope you'll be watching for opportunities that God will bring across your path. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray and we'll be done. If you tonight, you maybe this is your testimony, you feel like you have not been the great faithful proclaimer of God's word that you should be. Maybe in some capacity you feel like God's word the work of Christ has been hindered by you. By the way, that's me. That's me. But if you feel that that's you tonight, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm, just going to, I'm not going to embarrass you. Hands up. I see them. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Father, we love you. And Lord, as I testified a moment ago, I know that in my life, your work has been hindered by me. Lord, I know there have been opportunities that I failed you. I was not the light that I should have been. I did not speak when I should have spoken. I I did not speak boldly when I should have. And so, Lord, tonight, by your grace, Lord, I want boldness. God, I believe the people in the pews, the ones that have raised their hands, and those sitting here listening to the sound of my voice, God, we want boldness. Lord, bring to our lives spiritual focus so that in every situation, Lord, we see you working. We see the opportunities that you put in front of us, that we hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us. And Lord, I pray that through the lives of the people in this room that you would be glorified through us this week. Lord, turn us into a mighty army for you as we go out into our our areas, as we go out into our city and stay focused on what you've called us to. And I pray that you would keep us attuned exactly to what you have for us in our lives. As we stand to our feet, as the piano plays, if you have business to do with the Lord, our altar is open. You're welcome to come down and pray.
Father, we love you. And Lord, we're so thankful for your working in our hearts, for the way, God, that you change us little by little, piece by piece, step by step, and the influences that you use and the the words and the, the verses and the many things, God, that you've put in our lives to change us and to mold us and to make us into who you'd have us to be. Lord, this week, I pray that you'd give every person in this room boldness, that you give us your spirit, that you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we go to the right places, so that we talk to the right people. God, help us to, to Lord, be, be honest and open, knowing for sure of a, a sure heart that you've placed us where we're at to reach the people that we come across. And I pray that you'd guide us and direct us in that. And we'll give you the honor and praise for it. Thank you for all that you do all throughout our lives. Thank you for what you've done here on our property today. And I pray, God, that you'd continue to do a great work here for many years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, at this time, we're going to watch our announcement video. If you would be seated for just a moment. And then, uh, Pastor Justin, if you want to come up and... Do you have anything else? Okay. Mark your calendars for events coming up in the next few months. There will be a Teen Overtime Missionary Appreciation on October 9th. Missions Emphasis Day will be on October 23rd. Also on October 23rd, there will be a Teen Overtime S'mores Night, and there will be Trunk or Treat held on October 30th. Mrs. Vicki has been traveling out of town quite a bit recently, but will hold ladies' Bible studies on the dates she's available. Stop by the welcome desk after the service to pick up a card which lists the Bible study dates. Sheridan Baptist Church Ladies' Conference is on Saturday, October 8th. The cost is $15 with a suggested donation of $5 for gas. Transportation will be provided and will be leaving the church promptly at 8.30 a.m. and returning approximately at 5. Please sign up at the welcome desk to attend. Don't miss the prime time with Pastor Mutchler on Tuesday, October 11th at 9 a.m. at Cracker Barrel. We're getting ready for a musical Christmas production and could use your help. If you are interested in joining the orchestra, adult choir, teen choir, or children's Christmas choir, please see Kristen Vestal. Choir and orchestra practice has started and are every Sunday at 3.45 p.m. Practices for the teen and children's choir will be announced soon. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the connection card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week, and we will see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Thank you for joining us tonight. You are dismissed.